Welcome to Therapists Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real-life matters. Hi, welcome to Therapists Uncensored. I'm Patty. And I'm Sue. And I'm Ann Kelly. Today, we're going to talk about the spectrum of attachment. We're going to take the concept that we've been referencing and talking about for quite a while throughout our podcast and really delve a little bit deeper into it and do some more research-based broadening of our understanding of it. That's right. You know, a lot of times when people talk about attachment, they're actually talking about the research, which you know, if you're familiar with it, it goes back to Bulby and Maine and Ainsworth, which is incredible groundbreaking research. And uh, we'll quickly summarize it in just a moment. But that has been back starting in the 50s all the way to the late 80s. And there's been a lot of things that have happened since then. And so this episode is going to really bring us more up to date, um, but not all the way because there's just too much to cover. So we're going to do one step in it. And then we're going to do a progressive through different episodes, um, do little pieces. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to introduce the idea of it being on a spectrum rather than a quadrant. So Sue, for those listeners out there that aren't going, oh, exactly, knowing exactly what we're talking about, could you just briefly kind well, of... Somebody ha- doesn't know what attachment is. <laughs> <laughs> there might be people that are not into the total psychobabble we are. they heard all of our uh, episodes, including <laughs> mine and Tracy's at the very beginning. Right. But that might be shocking. But in case they're a new listener, and let's just think about it as what is, in a quick and dirty way, maybe not so dirty... What well, is, let's make it very dirty. Let's make it very dirty. <laughs> what is attachment and why do I care? I think... Attachment is a biologically based drive that makes mammals stay close to their caregivers for safety and security. That's right. And this is not throwing our parents under the bus. This is one of the things that's not. It's important. So think of it this way. You know, when you're a parent, you're thinking of about 20 things. You're thinking of managing the house and paying the bills and working and your multiple kids sometimes and your marriage and your Labrador, <laughs> and your stray cat that now is your pet cat, and a whole bunch of things, right? And your baby that won't eat. <laughs> right. So, um, but when you're the child, you're just thinking about the parent, right? Your your parent is the center of your universe. So from the child's perspective, the relationship with the parent is a very, very big deal. But this is, I, I want to frame this in the perspective of this is not parent bashing, But it is child-centric, and we want to be child-centric without throwing parents under the bus. Because believe me, we're all, you know, those of us that are parents are all very flawed parents, and this is not to make anybody feel guilty. Right. Uh, Because I can guarantee you that even though, you know, I was a therapist and I even was teaching parenting and I had read everything I could possibly get my hands on in attachment, and I had kids, and all of it was out the window, and I... The more I read, the worse I felt about myself as a parent. Well, and partly it's because we're just products of our parenting and and their parenting and their parenting. And and one thing I think about attachment, it's, it's how we relate to our caregiver, which means how we relate eventually to ourselves and how we relate to ourselves in the world. So, and it affects our relationships with people and how we engage and what makes us feel afraid and what makes us feel safe. And understanding that can really help you understand 
yourself and your relationships and how you, especially related to how you fight, how you connect, how you have sex. It's just, it's really a amazing amount of information that could help you understand yourselves. That's right. It's the lens. It's, it's the template, Patty, as you call it. Yeah. Um, but some of the more recent research actually has uh, questioned some of the, you know, that that what you look like when you're an infant is what you look like as an adult. It's, it gets more and more complex as we age, which is interesting. And also we it's not, oh, once you're preoccupied, you're always preoccupied or you're only preoccupied. That actually, in some ways, the healthier you are, the more flexible you are. So let's say if you are, and we'll define these as we go, but let's say if you're mostly secure person, but you get with someone that's more contained and more on the dismissive spectrum, guess what happens to you? Like you become- Drives you crazy. Yeah, it drives <laughs> you a little nutty and you become a little more preoccupied. Or even if you go to graduate school and you work really hard to get in, you become a little preoccupied with what the teachers are thinking and, you know, and like you get a little obsessed with not yourself and how you're thinking and feeling, but what is required of you. So what you're saying is that you have a real baseline of where you come from and how you're raised, but that baseline can be significantly impacted by your circumstances in the future as well. Yeah. If, if you have had a better start, that is true. You tend to be more flexible. And another piece about it is that it's culturally based. So it depends on each culture you know, how that we keep oneself safe and um, in living from generation to generation. So in some cultures, it's actually quite healthy to be a bit preoccupied. And other cultures, it's about healthy to be dismissive. So some of the older research has been criticized for being culturally biased. Right. And so that becomes interesting. So, um, one of the things that we want to do is we want to update it and really just talk about it's less important to identify where you when I when I begin to lay this out on the spectrum don't worry about like pinning yourself down of like oh this is exactly where I am but more of like can you just understand in general where we get into trouble when we begin to think that way because it moves a little bit and can you begin to identify where you want to go because no matter where you start our brains are flexible and adaptive, and um, that's the beautiful thing is neuroplasticity. No matter what has happened to you, there's always hope. So this is a very hopeful message. And so no matter where you start, there's a chance to kind of grow into security. So I am a very huge proponent, because I am one of them, um, of earned security. And I want to, like, make T-shirts or something of, like, you know, security. You know, I earned it. You may have, been, <laughs> you may have gotten it by birth. but <laughs> So instead of 26.2 on your shirt, you're going to say earned secure. Exactly. I should, yes, I should be the bumper sticker. <laughs> I worked really hard for this, damn it. <laughs> I paid a lot in therapy for my security that I got. I wonder if you could... Describe what you mean by secure, insecure, dismissive, preoccupied. Just so. Oh, you mean get to the podcast itself? (laughs) That's a great idea, Patty. (laughs) So, let's. My proposal would be: let's start in the middle of what secure looks like, and by middle, I mean like um, you know we've talked about this more from the triune brain before, more the biology part. Um, This is more the 
internal working model is the way that the researchers have talked about it. It's the software. It's the lens that we begin to look at things through. So if you have parents that are relatively consistent and reliable, relatively, and again, as we go, I think it's too much for right now, but there's basically five um, prerequisites for secure relating. It's generally the stuff that Tina Bryson talked about, seen, soothed, secure, delight, stuff like that. But but the gist of it is if you got that enough, and I think what, I, what Tracy and I talked about in another podcast was about 70%, you don't have to be perfect, that you're going to fall the continuum related to the research um, of the AAI, the research I'm talking about if people are real neuro nerds and want to know is the AAI with Mary Main. Um, which is the adult attachment interview. Sorry, thank you. Um, the secure category is actually five different categories within it. And that looks like flexible, adaptive. There's any, it's, it's the elixir. Anything <laughs> you can possibly think of good, friendship networks, you know, the ability to bounce after something bad happens. What else? Well, I think part of it is that if you have parents that have been able, 70% of the time, I love that because it's good enough parenting, Good enough parenting. That were able to reflect back in a way that helped you feel safe in the world, your body gets to be more relaxed and more able to take the love and the connection. Whereas if you get a lot more anxiety or maybe a parent that is too busy to connect, you end up recognizing that you have to put too much work into keeping safe. Like I have to draw my parent close to me, otherwise my parent's going to go away, or my parent's not there, so I have to go take care of myself. And so the, the, the infant actually really learns these things at a very young age, and this keeps perpetuating. So if you have secure attachment, it's 70% of the time you had a parent that really helped you feel safe in the world that lets you explore the world. And so all those things that you can imagine having if you have that in your body, like generally thinking people like you, generally thinking people want to be with you, generally thinking that um, all things being equal, you're pretty safe and secure and things are going to be okay. That would be sort of what I would think as the baseline that a secure person grows up with. That, that's right. I used to think of it as Bigfoot. <laughs> does that, does that, that actually happen? Um, but actually what the research is, is like 58% of people in the world, even if you have 10 kids, it's, it's not the amount of attention a child gets. It's the accuracy and the responsiveness and the sensitivity of the parent, of the primary parent, typically. Um, so and most this, of you out there are going to fall into this category. And this really translates into how your nervous system develops. So if you are secure, you're able to, um, when you're dysregulated, move back into regulation and do it with another human being. So somebody's touch, somebody's nearness can actually calm you down. That's a really good point because what you're saying is is part about being secure is that you really count on relationships because the relationship as an infant was reliable most of the time. So when you're upset, you're going to look to relationships and yourself to calm down. Whereas if you're insecure, you might not look at all to relationships because they haven't been reliable or you really have to hang on to that relationship because if you don't squeeze tight, they're going to go away. It's an extremely po important point for that you're both making. It's extremely important. It's actually going to lead into the second podcast we're going to do, which has to do with cooperation. Um, what's the other word we were Collaboration. Using? Collaboration. That kids are naturally collaborative 
initially, but when they're not being collaborated with, like these two insecure pieces that we're about to talk about, they shut it down because it's not safe. But so we're still talking about the secure category. Secure kids are naturally collaborative, so they get mad when the parent leaves because they're entitled and they think, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be taken care of. And so when something, there's an incoming something, they kind of interpret it positively and they're able to reach out when something's wrong and they're, they tend to be much, have much more positive affect and just generally are happier. And it's basically, if you're a parent, it's, I promise you, it's what you want. Right. <laughs> And if you're in a couple, it's what you want to promote in your partner. Your your relationship is going to be so much happier. And if you're like me and you didn't necessarily start there, that's what we want. It's what we all want to kind of strive for. This is our North Star that we're going for. And it's not just happier. It's healthier because yes. your cortisol levels, your stress levels are going to be lower because you'll be able to come back to security faster. But of course, as we're talking about it, it's, it, it can run the risk of her trying to like sell the idea of being secure. And although we all want to be secure and we tell our mind we're going to respond perfectly to our child or to our partner, that doesn't really happen. Right. And that's which, part of what you're going to help us understand. Exactly, which sets it up for... So all I'm just saying is this is our goal, but it doesn't necessarily mean what, that that has what has happened to us historically. But it is... I'm setting it up for... Um, this is where we want to end up. <clears throat> and what it looks like just very quickly on the um, when we test for it in adulthood is uh, this is just one test with the AAI is that the and this is what you can tell when you're talking to someone that their narrative, I'm just going to use the research language for a second, their narrative discourse, they call the story it, they tell about the themselves. Grice's maxim. Basically, it's um, I'm able to tell my story about myself, my narrative about myself, but also hold on to my listener. So I don't get lost in my feeling about what I'm talking about and, and just go on and on. Um, but I also am able to give enough detail for you to understand what's happening. It's a coherent story. It's called a coherent narrative. Exactly. A coherent story. And it's succinct and uh, you get what I mean, and we both feel understood, and we move on. So speaking of that, shall we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> shall I? Shall That's I how we assess it, but exactly. let's keep talking about kind of how we... Okay, so the next, let's move. So imagine, and we're going to make a um, little chart of this. So the middle is, and you're going to hear it like Fs and all kinds of letters, and it depends on the research, but basically for this purpose, it's A, B, and C. So B is the secure, it's in the middle, it's green. So to the left of B is A. A comes before B. And that is blue because blue is cooled off. We're going to kind of begin to tie in the biology. And this is the dismissive folks. Um, so, and again, this is a continuum now. It's no longer the, you're not just dismissive. You move up and down the continuum. So when I'm in a more dismissive space, and it can go, it can be a little secure, but just a little avoidant. That can be with eye contact. That could be with body language when it's more minor. That could be with my length. So like if somebody says, how you doing? And I say, fine. Uh, it basically is where I begin narratively to restrict information. But I'm not just restricting it from you. I'm restricting it from myself. Right. And when you say gaze, 
You mean that it's more likely they'll avert their gaze or they won't meet your gaze? Both. Everything. Yes. <laughs> and more, more depending on the, where you I'm are. I'm going to look at you through the top of my head. Right. <laughs> and But depending on where you are on the continuum, and I love what you're saying, Sue, about it being a continuum, because I think for clarity's sake, we often put them in big sections. And we've recommended, which is an awesome book, Stan Tacken's book, who will, will talk about it in terms of it being a wave or specifically, right now we're talking about dismissive, you'll relate to that as an island. So it makes it sound like everybody that relates to being an island is all one way. And what you're trying to say, and and, and for clarity's sake, um, Stan Tacken does that so that we can understand because it can be really confusing. But what you're trying to do with it is, is to broaden it that this is actually a continuum. You're not either this one or that one. We run along a continuum where we basically anchor more on that continuum um, along the line, but we can be flexible and move depending on the situation or the relationship. Yes. And that's, that's roughly the case. It depends on the researcher, but also, but unless the more, the rougher we've had it as a child, we begin to get further out on the continuum and the less flexible we are. So, um, we, we begin to live out on the sides and we get less flexible when it's more, this continuum is a real thing. It's a real research phenomenon. So I'm not really saying it's all so flexible, but you're right in that like, as especially towards the middle, we've, we're, present, more flexibility. we're presenting this as a, a bit more of a flow than typically people talk about it. I think it helps us clinically to think of it this way. And certainly when I think of myself, I can be super preoccupied. I can be super dismissive and I can, I've earned myself into that I can have very, relationally oriented, secure, reflective conversations and relating clearly, or else I wouldn't be a successful therapist so and partner this, and parent. This makes so much sense because when you think about our childhood, we didn't just have one caregiver. Exactly. And so if my mother was preoccupied and my father was avoidant, um, it would be strange for me to end up stuck on, in one place. It would make more sense that I might move through this continuum. That's exactly right. And they weren't only one way, even if it was just one right. parent. They weren't always only one way. Uh, I, I just want to make a note about this, that there's this other category called cannot classify, where that it really is that the... Um, and they even say on the AAI that it is where they cannot classify. Um, but the new research actually classifies it in like nine different categories. It, 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 instead of it being, we don't know what that is, <laughs> it's this, it, there's nine different ways that you are that way. So this is not going to be for this podcast, but as we go forward and we're going to be doing some classes and some online training and some in-person training to really go into more detail about this. But for now, um, I think your point is excellent, Patty around uh, the fluidity, both of our parents to us and then how we take it. And then also it speaks to the research that there's not actually a 100% coherence between if I'm a dismissive infant that I turn into a dismissive adult. It doesn't necessarily, right, there, right. It, there is a relationship, but it's not a, it's not a totally. And the adult, the adult attachment relationship is actually very complex. And I do want to, either through the courses or in some way, make available to our listeners, there is a free online um, adult attachment inventory that is public use. Um, so perhaps we'll make it available through, we should make it available through this podcast. Let's put it in our show notes. Uh, through the show notes, uh, where you can 
test yourself and see how you're relating in your adult relationships. It's very interesting. And you'll probably start recognizing yourself as we talk about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just so, so that we've talked about so much, just to bring it back, let's maybe describe somebody on a very end of a continuum of dismissive, since we keep talking about that. And again, if you're familiar with some of the language of being an island, somebody on that end has learned primarily to rely on themselves. And so they end up being somebody that will go within themselves if something happens instead of reach out to other people. They're the ones maybe when angered, they're going to quit talking. They're going to turn away. They're not going to turn towards you. So that doesn't mean that you're not going to have a wonderful, pleasant conversation at dinner with somebody that's dismissive. It's when they get activated that they're really going to pull away or they're going to be the ones at the party that they're fine not connecting to anyone around them because they don't really see people as resources that's sort of on the continuum of what we're talking about when we say dismissive or island. That's perfect. That's exactly right. That one way that to think of it is it's more thinking oriented than feeling oriented. It's more left than right brain. Um, it's more auto regulation. They count on themselves. They do it all on their own. Right. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And they can <laughs> see the idea of needing other people as um threatening. as threatening yeah. and so the the idea of them having vulnerabilities or needs is too threatening so they actually and they don't even recognize it themselves it's not always like i feel vulnerable i'm going to shut it down no on a real extreme they don't even they, they can really have a difficulty even feeling their own vulnerability because it hasn't been safe that's that that's the big key is it's not that there's an a conscious denial right it's uh it's an absolute bypassing of the attachment system, they've deactivated the emotional need. So when someone else, they see emotional need on the other side, it's incomprehensible in some ways. But when you hook them up to like a skin galvanizing response, um, these are somebody that say they're fine when their partner's gone, but they might stay up all night or they drink excessively or they, you know, they do something to self-soothe that is out of the ordinary. Yeah. And when, when a lot of this research started, these kids, when people observed them, they thought perhaps they were the secure kids because they, you know, sat quietly, played easily, didn't get upset when mom left. But then they started actually looking at the biology and looking at the cortisol levels. And these kids' cortisol was off the roof. So they're under a lot of physical stress that they aren't expressing. That's exactly right. And just one quick other thing before we move across the continuum over to the preoccupieds uh, is that when you put a grid on those um, on that research and you watch the kids whether, as they move closer to the parents, what they've learned, and this is why they bypass their need, is that if they do try to move closer to the parent, the parent moves away or they're actively rejecting. So the reason that they have bypassed, well, I won't say this for everybody, this is definitely not true for everyone, but frequently when, if you, if you're resonating as a listener with somebody who's a little bit more in the pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you know, take care of yourself, uh, mode, and then frequently there's often a history of either neglect, um, kind of latchkey kids often, a or depressed active, parent, a depressed parent sometimes, or, or active rejection. Where that, mm. like, if I start crawling up on the couch, the parent, like, turns away and reads their book versus if I can just stay here and play quietly, 
we're all good. So I have learned, oh, the other thing, another part of the research is if I show positive affect and I'm playing on my own, everything is really good. But if I'm upset, then things go haywire. So uh, one of the things in adulthood you'll see is there's this sort of emphasis on positivity. And so when you say, so tell me about your relationship with your parents, what you will often hear is, it was great. Right. Well, tell me about that. It was all good. You know, my mom was great. She's a school teacher and it was very good. And what you'll hear is a lot of utility. Um, she made meals for me. She made meals. She, she took me to school. So, and what those, what the purpose of the language is, is to constrict the exploration. It's, it's, does, it's not, doesn't expand and explore. So if you notice on the narrative, it'll be very short and constricted. And as a matter of fact, it'll be, um, like it makes you want to not continue the conversation. It, it's, it sort of it shuts it down. Invited to shut it. Now, those of you that are parents of teenagers, don't overread this one. <laughs> I, actually, when you research teenagers, there's a, a slight elevation where they look like that they are avoidant right. and dismissive. They they're not going to necessarily end up with that way. It's a developmental piece. I have you know the research you're talking about with the grid. There was another side to that, which was that the kids had learned sort of what distance was safe. And so if mom moved into the den, they moved into the kitchen. If mom came into the kitchen, they went to the living room. So they sort of had this almost built-in GPS to maintain the safe, not too far away. They don't want to get too far from mom, but they found the distance that didn't upset mom and didn't leave them too far away from mom. Right. So that's just something to remember if you're on that side of the spectrum is that you do want contact and you do want relationship. Or if you're in a relationship with somebody that is in on that side of the spectrum, um, that there is a lot of hope and, and that the connection and the desire for connection really is there. It's just, it's just slightly bypassed. And so the part of the work is to, is to move towards the middle and move towards more relationship. So rather than utility, like here, let me fix, oh, you're crying. Let me fix this. I'm going to wrap that up here. Have a Kleenex. It's more of that you're wanting to move towards more relationality. Now let's, are we okay with moving over? I'm thinking this would be a great time to stop and hear a word from our sponsor. For those listeners out there that are therapists, most of us want to spend our time with our clients and not with the tedious paperwork and billing, scheduling, etc. Theranest provides practice management software that can really help and has helped thousands of therapists out there better manage and grow their practices. Now, they've set up a special offer just for our listeners. You can try Theranest for free and then receive 20% off your first three months if you sign up at theranest.com slash therapist uncensored or go to our website and you can click on it from there. Thanks. So, Sue, can you tell us a little bit about the other end of the continuum, the preoccupied? Okay, so again, like, let's think of this on a spectrum. So we said that blue was to the left, which was dismissive, and blue being it's cool and it's thinking. And the middle is green, and that's the integrated. That's where we want to end up. And so blue is constricted and short. Uh, green is um, in the middle. And then to the right is red. And red, there's a spectrum that goes out. And again, as you're closer to the green, you're just a little anxious, just a little bit um, nervy. <laughs> um, but that as you go out, you get more angry. 
and more shut down. And then as you're further out, you're more obsessive and you don't look like you need anything anymore. You're just controlling and bossy. And um, furious. And furious, actually. But re- but underneath, just like on the dismissive side, they're, they've bypassed the actual uh, relational need. Remember, the middle is a relational need, and that's the normal, healthy. If everything goes well, that's what you look like. When I'm upset, I reach for somebody. That's right. I know that people are safe and I'm having you got to keep time. reminding us of that and just keep saying that over and over because <laughs> <laughs> let's keep bringing us back just to what that looks us, like because that really is what that is the that's what we have to do and then as we get further and further away on each end of the continuum I'm sticking my arms straight out on the other side my body is in the middle so that's the secure part but as I'm out on my fingers we're just further and further away from like what's going to help us Right. So as we move more towards the elbows and the shoulders, like we get closer and closer to relation relationality. So on the arm of the anxious, yeah. preoccupied, again, that's a one through eight scale. We won't go into the details of that in this podcast, but uh, the big thing about that is that, you know, the other side was thinking. Of course, this side is emotions feeling and emotion red hot that's right red hot so we are expressive we're more we're more oriented towards the other we lose ourselves we merge we uh, are that's the lots of words lots of words <laughs> that's right so the narratives are you know this is the text that you have to like scroll 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 to see the and you get 40 of them <laughs> that's right that's right not that i've never done that but <laughs> um so uh yeah that's what that looks like and the reason for that is because at, so let me as i channel my preoccupied self um god am i being too vulnerable in this podcast that's what <laughs> we're I'm all gonna, all of come it come on so y'all have to join it. me don't leave me hanging here <laughs> well i so, wait I was saying I have a lot of experience with the preoccupied side. You can relate to this. Okay, you're going to need to give us some examples. But so as I channel that part of me, like the uh, thing about that is like, so you get caught in a feeling and then that becomes the big thing and you lose your listener. And so then you're telling them all about your feeling and you get flooded and you might lose coherence because you're, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then and then and then. And now it's it's very hard for somebody to stay with you. And when you're when you're upset and dysregulated, you are looking to the other to help you to fix it, and you don't have the resources internally to have that healthy mixture of you know can I soothe myself and can I reach for the other to soothe. So there's an element of panic because because as as we call it insecure. You are red hot, you're anxious, you're fearful and moving very, very fast and reaching for the other. But while you are reaching, you don't actually trust they'll be there. That's so right. that, that is what creates a panic and you're certain they won't be there, but you don't believe you can survive if they aren't. So you're really in a, an emotional conundrum. That's very well said. That sounds like you have some experience with that. <laughs> Would you like to share and join me here? <laughs> Let me tell you about a few relationships. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I almost feel like on this side of the continuum, we're, we're almost talking about Pavlov's dogs, you know, because what the caregiver did was inconsistent reinforcement. Yes. And oh, so... Oh. They were there sometimes. Totally not a disappointment. 
Right. So so just like Pavlov's dogs, these kids have been trained to always do their attachment behavior because maybe mom will be looking when I'm doing it. So it becomes very um, panicked and and really large like, and big and yes. exaggerated sometimes. Right. Well, and if you think about it, when you are that way, generally it's really difficult for the world to respond to you because you can overwhelm the world. And so whether it's a relationship or, and so what ends up happening then is that you end up engaging in behavior that actually maybe affirms your belief. And that is nobody can be here for me. See, I'm reaching out and you can see that in relationships. I'm reaching out, but you turn away, you know, and. um, These are the people that say I'm too much. I'm too much, right. I'm just too much. Nobody could possibly, you know be in relationship with me because I want too much. I need too much, you know. But what's so important about that is that it's a vulnerability. It's not, I mean, it's so important that we talk about this in a compassionate way. It's it's vulnerability because it's not just disconnection from the world. It's disconnection from the self. And that panic is because somebody feels really alone and afraid and we need connections. And a preoccupied person is very aware of their connection, their need for it. And they haven't, you know, so they feel it in this really vulnerable way, which creates an understandable panic. And and I don't mean when I say this that they are too much. Right. But they, believe they, they have that belief system mm-hmm. because, you know, with their caregiver when they were young, they didn't get the kind of attunement that really calmed them down and let them be secure. So it's really helpful, though, as we're speaking about it again, we're kind of speaking about it as... We have the one end of the continuum being the preoccupied, the middle, the secure, and the other dismissive. But Sue, your point is so well taken. That is that the continuum is really, really important. And that's the broad research that you're trying to bring to us, the more relevant recent research that is so inspiring about this. And that is that seeing things on a continuum and not just you're either this or you're that can be really beneficial for you as well as the people you understand in your lives. That's right. There's 23% of folks are, tend to be dismissive and the general public, 19% are anxious, preoccupied. And that is on a three, a three level scale. We're not even yet talking about disorganized attachment. Uh, that's a separate uh, subject that we are going to go into in great depth. Um, it used to be sort of a throwaway category. I don't want to say throwaway, but something that was not understood well. Catch-all. So it was a catch-all. That's a better word. It was a catch-all category that was not understood well. So it was just called disorganized because it was a disorganized space. That has The recent research has really organized it more, and we understand a lot more about it, and they cannot classify category. And so we're going to go into that in more detail as well. So that's the general gist. We've got... Um, we want to you, for you to think of it on a continuum from dismissive on one side that moves as you get further out on the edge, that you get quieter and pull away, and you go into your cave, and then when you go in the middle is secure, and then when you go on the other side, you get further on the ceiling, and your goal, if you're on the ceiling, is to take yourself, if you really want to be taken seriously, You've got to get off the ceiling so that your ball can be caught and um, that that is, you're going to be much more hearable to, um, like it's a, it's a way of, uh, like in other words, you want to find yourself again because you've lost yourself on the ceiling. 
spiders belong on the ceiling, not us. So if we can get our feet on the ground again, we're going to have a lot more power. And so don't lose your power by jumping onto the ceiling like a spider. And so you were talking about some ways we can help an avoidant or preoccupied move towards security. And I think one of the suggestions was for an avoidant, this sort of loving gaze is a way to re-engage them. And I wondered if you had any suggestions for the preoccupied. Well, that's, that's great. And that's one of the things I was thinking of. Um, there's, there's a whole treatment protocol on this um, from both sides um, that, again, we want to get into in more depth as we kind of roll this out. And, um, but I love your idea of the loving gaze and the, uh, you know, as I was talking about with the preoccupieds as far as, you know, with on the dismissive side, you want to get more in touch with the body and more relational. And on the anxious attachment, you want to get more in touch with your mind because your body, it's like your, if, if you have a horse and rider, and the horse is your body and your feelings, and the rider is your mind and your thoughts. Uh, on the preoccupied side, you've the the horse has bucked the rider off, <laughs> right? Right. And on the other side, you have a walking rider with no horse. You know, so the secure is that you have both in harmony and working together. So we want to, if you're preoccupied, you have a bucking bronco, and that's not very good. So you want to re-engage the writer and begin to think, get your thinking back online and begin to get the other person that you're talking to online. And that, so, you know, if you lose it, that, 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 that's where you want to go is it's not just about your feelings. It's also, there's somebody else there. And, um, and also like if you really are hurt in that way, then start darn it, taking care of yourself and, um, and you take care of yourself. You don't turn to others only to take care of yourself. So that's going to move you more to, to, into a secure direction. And with dismissive, it's like, stop only taking care of yourself, darn it. Um, start turning to people to take care of yourself. And so that, that's, that's a high-level general gist of where we're wanting to move. And I hope that you as listeners can, again, this isn't about diagnosis at all. This is about, you know, big picture, roughly moving, and uh, we're going to keep rolling this information out um, at, at a high level on the podcast. But again, like I said, we're going to want to do some online courses to be able to go in deeper. Well, and one thing to think about is that you're, you're saying what we're developing is just understanding and insight. And it's not like insight means that you have control over these things. Like, oh, now I get it. This is what I need to do. But without insight, you don't have choice. Doesn't mean... With insight, you have choice, but without insight, you don't have choice about how you respond. So just even for the preoccupied, just sort of recognize that you've got to get your own horse under control could be something really giving to yourself than to, to anticipate that somebody else needs to get it under control. So it's just one example that insight just kind of helps you. It doesn't cure it all, but it helps you work to move towards the middle and knowing that's the goal. Well, right, about coherence, that we're working towards coherence. Mm -hmm. And, and if you're in a relationship with someone, understanding what's going on in them gives you a little more compassion that it's not, you know, the fact that the preoccupied person is upset with you might not be personal. That's a good point. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today at Therapist Uncensored. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you would like to join our community, we'd love that. Tune into our Facebook page 
or go to therapistuncensored.com and sign up for our email list. But as always, please subscribe at your favorite podcast player and rate and review us. Thanks for joining us. Come back soon. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly, Patty Alwell, and Sue Marriott. Becky Mandeville edits this podcast and provides technical support.